The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in this world. This is Max from the Fearless Happiness Podcast. And today I have a really an amazing guest today with us today. So what I like to do, Julianne, is have you introduce yourself um, to my audience, like who you are and what is it, what it is you do, and, and then we're going to rock and roll. Awesome. Hey, everyone. My name is Julianne Meyer. And boy, do I have a story. Doesn't everybody, though? <laughs> right. But I do come from the world of addiction and addiction recovery, and I have morphed and grown into a coach of a different uh, area of wellness. And as well as that, I have my own TV show called Own Your Wellness. And from that, I now have my own TV network called Achieve TV. It's a television network for entrepreneurs. So that's in a very teeny weeny nutshell (laughs) what I do. (laughs) I know. And I had the honor of being on our show the other day and we had such a great talk. And, and, you know, in the short time we've known each other, Julianne, we've become friends and, you know, we, we admire each other and respect our journeys and, You know, there's a lot of similarities that Julianne and I have, but I'm going to let her tell her story. Um, So, Julianne, like, give uh, my audience, the audience, a little backstory on where you've come from and, like, what were some of the challenges that brought you to where you are today? Of course. Okay. So, you know, it's one of those things where alcoholism and drug addiction you know, ran or runs rampant in my family. So I knew I was never going to have a problem because I was <laughs> never going to drink. I was never going to do drugs, any of that. I knew better. And to be honest, I didn't develop a drinking problem or a drug problem until my 30s. <laughs> so I was wow. a late bloomer. <laughs> I would say actually, no, to be fair, late 20s. So I was able right. to do you know, the clubbing thing without any repercussions besides a hangover here and there. And I never really had any issues like that personally. But here's the thing, whether or not I was drinking or using, I still had really crappy thinking going on. I still had the mind of an addict and somebody that's sick. And, you know, I really did. And it didn't matter. It just took me a while to have a downfall. So, (laughs) you know, I could, I could totally blame it on a million different things. I could blame it on my mom dying when I was 14 in my arms. I could blame it on my brother dying. I could blame it on my uncles passing away, my friends passing away. I mean, traumas, you know, being raped, um, sexual assaults of different types besides that oh my goodness you name it, i have plenty of excuses to drink and use we all do right. if we're looking for them we can you know we can have them right and you know the thing was is i literally i was such a bad alcoholic i <laughs> i almost died i there was a point where i was too weak to get up and go to the bathroom i literally couldn't even crawl to the bathroom that's how weak my body was i and, I, you know, I have all the horror stories. I never actually ended up in jail. I should have, I'm sure, for at least being drunk in public. But, yeah, I didn't have any of those kinds of repercussion, repercussions. 
but I definitely blew up my life. And I was with somebody that was absolutely fabulous and such a sweet man. We were together for over a decade. And then he basically said, I can't do this anymore. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to be, if I'm going to find you in the hospital. I like a frequent flyer. I was in the hospital all the time, whether it was a 5150 or alcohol poisoning or you name it. I, you know, he never knew if he was going to find me or anywhere and or out somewhere on the street. He never knew. And it just became too much for him. And I was definitely a victim in my own mind. I mean, right. we all are when we're right. addicts. Yeah. You know, it's just how we function. And I really thought that, you know, he was hurting me beyond belief because my when my brother had just passed away and you know all these things and you know my life was falling apart but here's the thing i have uh my dad and my stepmom and they've been a huge important force in my life and they paid for me to go to rehab in california so i flew out to california with a sober companion thank god because i never would have made it oh my gosh i was so drunk she shows up at my door i had no idea who she was or why she was there but meanwhile like two days before it had been planned that i was going to rehab <laughs> so it was oh, pretty gnarly <laughs> but she barely and they almost didn't let me on the flight that's how bad i was but i got to i got to rehab and it was Probably one of the worst rehabs. And I didn't really know because I'd never been to one before. But looking back and knowing what I now know about them, it was definitely not a good rehab. And but here's the thing. I was ready to get sober. I was ready to change my life. And I was willing to do whatever it took to get and stay clean and sober. So I did my 30 days and I made it through that alive and I'll never forget this because I've always, I tried going to AA a few times before I was ready to get sober. And, you know, I had all the usual thoughts of it's not for me. I'm not really an alcoholic. Uh, this right. is a cult. You know, all, all of the things wow. that people. <laughs> all right. Uh, or like know. some of the meetings we walk into and it's a bunch of old timers and we're like, wow, they're way like I can't relate to them, you know, because yeah, you know. No and... idea. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I just I thought, oh my God, there's gotta be a different way besides this because I, I will never do AA. But here's the thing with rehab, you're required to go to meetings every single day. So I started going, obviously. And the thing that changed for me was there was a counselor there and he said he got sober through meditation and yoga. He never once went to AA or NA. And then he said, but you have to go. And the reason you have to go is because it works. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Just the fact that he said he didn't do it that way, but I needed to because it worked. I was willing because it wasn't right. the idea of you have to go or you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and that was enough to get me going. So I did that. And then, um, you know, I really didn't have, here's the thing though, even before I ended up in rehab, most of my stories are really tame. Um, as far as some of the things I've heard and experienced through other people working in addiction recovery. Uh, but mine was almost dying. I mean, I ended up in, I didn't even know there was such thing as a trauma ER, but there's apparently a trauma ER for people with, yeah, really bad injuries. That mm -hmm. was me. I passed out on the street. I hadn't been drinking that day, but I, I'm sure it was alcohol related. Right. And they put me on the board and everything else. And in fact, I used to, after I got sober, sorry, this is a little side note. I used to send every single year to the hospital that I went to the most a note saying, Thank you for everything you did for me. Every single time I went in there, I'm still sober. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, just to let them know. But anyway, I went to rehab and then um, it was just a 30 day. I mean, this place was a turn and burn kind of place where they didn't care. They were just putting bodies in and they literally, there's somebody that died while I was there. I mean, it was from, they got their hands on mm -hmm. diet pills and just because people weren't watching. I mean, it was bad, but. I had the opportunity, I, you know, I got to go. A lot of people don't even get the opportunity to go to a bad rehab. So right. I was lucky enough to be able to go and so grateful for it. And after that, I went to um, sober living and I did outpatient. So I did outpatient for another 30 days and did sober living. And I ended up staying in sober living for almost a year. <laughs> and 
it was different and difficult. And, you know, here's the thing that people don't seem to talk about as much as even when you go to rehab, it breaks you down, which needs to be done. Right. But it doesn't really teach you how to live again after that and or who you are. I mean, how can something else teach you who you are? So here I am trying to discover who I am after and there's no guidance. So, yeah, it was pretty tough in the beginning for the first couple of years being sober. It was really tough. I didn't even know what I like to wear. That's how confused I was. It's like, what's my style? <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. I had no clue. I'm like, what kind of movies do I like? I don't know. <laughs> I right, have no idea. I you said something that's interesting, right? Because this is true. I work, as you know, I work in the right, and I've seen the changes over the years from when I first started, mm-hmm. right, to like you said, you went to a place that can be a traumatic event for people trying to get yeah. sober when they're in a bad place, <laughs> right? Like you're just going, yeah. right? They're just trying to put bodies in here and right Mm -hmm. but it sounds like you made the best of it right the sober living that's another tough thing right because you're in a house with different people different personalities from who knows where right and you're Mm -hmm. you're trying to like you said navigate your way through life and figuring out okay i'm sober now like how do i do this because before i got here right i was inebriated or i was high and (laughs) right that's how i functioned right Right. Both. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, for <laughs> one recovering addict, alcoholic to the another, right. When we get into these, like, especially when things are not going our way. Right. And if we get into the efforts, right. Mm-hmm. That could be such a dangerous place. And I don't care how you do your recovery. Right. We know that for us, whether it's just, if you get like, I'm done, F it, I'm going to do whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. That could lead us. Right. I've known many friends in the program. Uh, and as a counselor where that's led to them not being with us anymore right so yeah i tell the audience like so in early recovery right so you're you're sitting in sober living you're trying to figure out like you said who you are like i remember the same thing like well i didn't have much choice on what i wore right because i got out of jail i had tank top board (laughs) shorts and flip-flops right so whatever they had in there you know lost and found became my my new clothes because my mom was like until you prove me that you're going to stay sober, I'm not helping you, right? Um, yeah. Right. So, how tell the audience like that part about navigating through life, newly sober. You know, yeah. you're away from home. You're well. It sounds like you came from a different state, right? So you're in a whole new state. Just going, okay. Who's Julianne now? Now you're trying to figure out who you are. How was that for you? You know, that was, it was scary. Uh, It was completely fish out of water. And I had the same experience, even though I came from a good place, I didn't have any clothes with me because like I said, I didn't even know this lady was coming to pick me up. So I grabbed one of those shopping bags, you know, and that the kind that you use over and over again, and I threw (laughs) some clothes in there. Like one of them was a pair of shorts, but they were bike riding shorts with the padded butt. So, I mean, I literally had nothing to wear. (laughs) Seven clothes on my back. So I can totally relate to that. (laughs) And as a female, oh my goodness, you know, I can't even really change my clothes. It was so demoralizing for me. Uh, But here's the thing too, with the sober living, I'm walking into the sober living and I, at 30 days, I have more sobriety time like linked together than the house manager who had just gone out and just returned. So now I'm, I've been sober longer than the house manager. And this woman who has like three days sober is in charge of my life. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) it was like, you've got to be kidding me, people. Like there was really no good example for me available. So it really was, you know, flying by the seat of my pants, just trying to make it. So that's when I just, I mean, I was fortunate enough. I had the food stamps. I mean, I'm, I'm saying fortunate enough because I had food. And, um, you know, I had all sorts of help from my parents. They paid for my rent, so I didn't have to worry about that. And they gave me a hundred bucks a month to spend. And I was grateful for every little bit of it. And man, I made it all work. And the thing was, is I, the library became my best friend. I would go there all the time and I read books constantly. And we lived near a place where I could walk around. So I walked around, I worked out, I did all these things that were good for my health and my mind. Well, I was trying to figure out who I was and, you know, it just, it was so weird because so many bad things kept happening. It's like, 
it's like it just was left over from before, you know, all that energy, wow. like just sort of left over from before. Like I couldn't even get hired at McDonald's. I couldn't even get an interview at McDonald's. <laughs> I am so overqualified for there. I mean, I think I was overqualified when I was 18. <laughs> right. I couldn't get hired. <laughs> well, I had you know, another was- reason for not getting hired at McDonald's. But uh, yeah, that that's such a funny, like we have so much in common. I remember when I couldn't get a job, right? And and I'm going to all these felony friendly places and getting told, oh, you know, thank you for coming, but we went with another candidate and I'm just looking at them like, I'm getting mad, right? Like, and then I go, I go talk to my sponsor, right? Just like you said, and he goes, go flip burgers. And then of course I look at him like, do you know who I am? Like, I don't flip burgers. How dare you tell me that? <laughs> right? And he laughed. And I'm like, what are you laughing for? And he goes, I know who you are. Go flip burgers. Right? <laughs> but it, like you probably went through, it was one of those moments. I went home and I just, I said a prayer and I said, okay, if that's what I'm going to do, I'll, I'll do it. Right? And then the next day I got it. actually a job that I interviewed for that paid well. And I was like, Holy mo- all I just had, he was right. I just had to be willing to flip burgers, right? For the yeah. universe or God or whatever you would say, you know, I got other plans for you, right? But yeah. man, you're bringing, like, when you're telling me, like, I walk, like, you are bringing back so many memories when I was at my sober living, right? That's all I had to do sometimes, right? Because they'd kick you out at eight o'clock in the morning after a meeting and go, your new job is to find a job. Right. I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, what do you mean? Exactly. So I walked around <laughs> Tustin like all day long. Right. And then, you know, there's times you're like, I just want to take a nap. I'm tired of this walking around. <laughs> well, then do what you're supposed to do. Right. And go get a job. But exactly. You know, yeah, what I, no, mean? I was in Menifee. It was hot. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Over 100 all the time. And I'm telling you to get anywhere. And I'm not even joking. It was uphill both ways because you have to go over mountains. So, right. <laughs> I know where Menifee is. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah, it was such a culture shock. And that's the thing, too, that people don't realize is, you know, even me, I was willing. I was 100% willing to do whatever it took to stay sober. I would, one of my housemates said I'm the poster child for AA because all I would read my big book constantly. I would call my sponsor and do things with my sponsor. And, you know, I did everything perfectly as far as, you know, all the rules, rule follower. But yet I still couldn't even get a job at places that, you know, I was willing, more than willing and hoping and praying I would get a job at. And they just wouldn't even look at me. But the thing that I learned from that, it took me a while to figure it out was because there was something down the pipe soon enough that was so much bigger and better than that. All I had to do was hold on and trust. And it really helped me through the hard times. Like, I, oh, this one was a big one. I had maybe six months sober and I was going to, I had a pass. I had a pass. I was going to go see my parents in, um, for Disneyland. So, I had to take a train and all these things. And the train was a business class. So the first thing they do is ask me if I'd like a glass of wine. Oh. <laughs> free, free wine. I was right. like, in my mind, I'm thinking, yes, please. I mean, instantly, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't take it. But oh my gosh, I thought about that glass of wine the entire train ride. And then I get into this weird limo thing, taking me to my hotel. And they offer me champagne. I was like, no, thank you. You know, I get in the hotel room, there's like four full bottles of liquor sitting there. And all I could think of was, thank goodness I'm in a good place mentally. Otherwise, by now I would have drank. There's no doubt about it. Right. <laughs> that many opportunities. I would have said, it's a sign from the universe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How can I say no when it's popping up everywhere I'm going, and right? Free. And it's free. Exactly. <laughs> I'd have been like, Ooh. I know. Oh my goodness. But yeah, you know, and that's the thing is I've always, I learned to say yes to the opportunities that come my way. And I swore I would never work in addiction recovery. And I ended up being a sober house manager and I lived there in sober living. And, um, and then from there I started working in the rehabs. And at first I was a house manager. And then I eventually became the assistant director of operations for a well-known rehab in Orange County. And I did that for six 
years. (laughs) That was crazy. That was definitely eye-opening to see different people and the amount of trauma that comes through. And I just, you know, the thing that I wish that people who are struggling with addiction would know, and, you know, you'll always hear and see people say, you are not alone. But I, I wish that people would understand that they're not alone in the bad things that they've done or the things that they shame themselves for, because there are countless other people out there who have done exactly the same thing you have, have come through the other side right. <laughs> and done wonderful things with their lives. I wish people could, if there's one thing that I wish an active addict would understand is that, that the shame that they feel, other people have done the same things. They're not right. alone in that. So this is what I want to ask you now, like, because you know, you understand this, right? You've you've been through the process, right? Like you said, uh, I'm sure when you were getting sober, they said, Julianne, just trust the process, right? And you look at them, <laughs> like I probably did, cross-eyed and like, Ooh, like, okay, whatever you're, yeah, whoa, right? Like my sponsor, his first thing, he was like, Max, just have some blind faith. And if you could have saw my face back then, it was like probably y'all contorted going, what do you mean? What is blind faith? Whatever, mm-hmm. right? But I'm glad I did, right? I just had this. He would just say, put one foot in front of the other and know that whatever's mm-hmm. out there, whatever you start to believe in is going to take care of you. And and that was hard for me, right? Coming from jail and being on the streets, just going, like, I didn't trust anybody, you know, especially myself, right? Um, But you said something in the beginning where I want my, I want you to help the audience understand, right? Because I've had other guests, right? And you said it, right? There's trauma that happens to us, right? Mm-hmm. We, You and I know we don't make it our excuse, but it's true, right? There's something that has happened, right? That has led us down to this path to where we're drinking or using drugs because we mm-hmm. don't want to feel those feelings that are associated yeah. with it, right? So how how did you, in your in your sober journey, right? And in, in getting clean and sober like address that like because i'm sure like your sponsor or at the treatment center when a therapist you know is is talking with you and they're trying to get you to open up and talk how did mm-hmm. you uh start working towards overcoming right i don't think i don't want to say we overcome but we work through it right how did you work yeah. through that stuff that as you know because you've been waiting you've worked in the field also you could see that stuff holds people back so bad sometimes like you said because of that shame right they do their thing now they're riddled with shame and, and and i think you'll agree i believe that shame and guilt are the two things that keep a drug addict or an alcoholic out there right because they numb that feeling right and then as soon as they feel it again they, it's so powerful they just said nope i'm just going to keep stuffing it and i'm going to keep self-medicating with whatever i'm doing because i don't have to feel that Exactly. Yeah, no, it's really survival. Like you're just trying to make it through the day without having to feel, you know, the the thing that I've noticed in particular about um, alcoholics and addicts in general is that in, I mean, this is, you know, a broad statement, but it tends to be true is that most of us are more sensitive than other people. (laughs) Most of us are more sensitive to other people's energy, including our own. And we can feel things that, you know, maybe normies wouldn't necessarily feel. And we notice things that other people don't notice. So not only do we have these traumas, (laughs) but we feel it on this other level that a lot of people wouldn't experience. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like this double-edged thing where it's like, oh my gosh, not only do I have to deal with this trauma, but I also feel it more than maybe somebody else would. And another thing about it too is, and I know you know this, but if somebody has trauma, they always downplay it. It's like, oh, it's not as bad as so-and-so's. They could have lost their entire family in a genocide and been burned and all these other things. And they say, oh, well, it's not as bad as so-and-so. So the thing that, you know, I've discovered with like my own trauma is to not downplay it. And even if it's not as dramatic as somebody else's, it's still mine. It's still the things that I've experienced that I've gone through. Right. And it's a huge deal and it's okay. It's not a contest, you know, it's not a contest to see who had the worst thing happen right. to them or, and so I allow myself to have the feelings that I have 
and try not to judge them because right. you know that's what gets me into trouble is when I start judging my own feelings and saying, well, I don't have the right to feel this, or maybe I right. should feel better by now. And I'll, you know, I should, I should be over this. This happened 15 years ago. I should be over it. <laughs> well, what if I'm not? Right. <laughs> you know? What if I'm not? So for me to deal with the trauma, because I've done therapy and I've done all of those things and, you know, and I, it's helped, but it only got me so far. Right. And the things that really helped me were to acknowledge my feelings, like I mentioned, and to focus on what I want. And what I mean by that is like, okay, now I'm not talking about a certain car or anything like that. Right. I'm talking about, I want to feel good in my own skin. I want to feel proud of my accomplishments. I want to feel free. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, those are the types of things. So those are the kinds of things I focus on instead of feeling sorry for myself now if something pops up because that's the thing with trauma you never know when you're going to be triggered you never i mean it doesn't you know go away right <laughs> but it gets easier to deal with as you know you go along so yeah i really it's an ongoing process for me and it always will be but I don't get triggered the way I did before because I've been willing to actually look at it and, right. you know, turn the light on. And things that work for me are writing in a, in a journal about my feelings when they come up. Um, gratitude, you know, uh, what am I grateful for? One of my most favorite practices. Yeah. One of my most favorite practices every single morning is to thank God for the unexpected miracles that are coming my way and then write down three or four things different each day that I'm grateful for in my, one of my journals. And it, you know, it just really shows me how much good there is in the world and how much good that I can experience instead of focusing on those few moments, because they literally are moments compared to the rest of my life. Right. And I'd rather focus on the really good stuff and remember that and get more of that in my life. So that's kind of how I deal with the trauma is acknowledge it and then look forward. There you go. I, I God, you gave me goosebumps, right? Because I, I mean, it. It's hard sometimes, as you know, because I, I everybody's trauma is different, right? Like, mm -hmm. and for a long time, Julianne, I thought I didn't experience any trauma, right? Like, I had a pretty good height, you know, growing up. Yeah, my mom was working all the time; she was strict, but like, I couldn't think of anything. And then I think about this stuff, right? Because sometimes traumatic events don't stop just because you get sober as we know right we yeah. we lose loved ones and and you know in mm -hmm. our conversation when i was on your show you know losing my almost losing my granddaughter right my mom my sister my brother my granddaughter almost my son people are like max you know that's you know that's traumatic and i'm like really but see but i i'm like you because i got taught that thing right so i've been doing this gratitude journal for a long mm -hmm. time now right where i write three things when i first wake up so the first thing i'm putting in my brain is something positive mm -hmm. and then the last thing at night i put three new things in my brain so i try to balance out my day right because we know we see things i don't watch the news anymore but you know in the work i do right like that used to do like you're mm -hmm. hearing stuff all day so i try to uh and it's funny because I know some of my audience is going to listen to you when they say gratitude. Oh, there goes Max and his guy. He got to her too, right? Because I tell everybody. <laughs> I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, see? I, but I'm like, I tell everybody, I don't care if you're in recovery or not. Mm -hmm. Try to think of the things you're grateful for because it'll help you through those tough times. And and what yes. I'm getting at is um, what you said also that it's, it's like I I acknowledge, which is kind of like what mindfulness is all about, right? Being present in the moment and just acknowledging even the crazy thoughts that go through your brain and going, okay, that's cool. Next, right? Like, let it go. And yeah. <laughs> next, next, right? So that we don't focus on those negative ones that we have, you know, we use our minds for for the positive, right? And like you said, focusing on the things I want. and And like you said, it's not necessarily like, the millions of dollars that I want that which would be nice right but you know but for <laughs> me it's focusing on letting hoping my you know wanting my family to be healthy being present in my you know not only in my wife's my kids and my grandkids lives but the people around me and just acknowledging that things happen 
but I don't have to like hyper focus over like certain things like as you know because in recovery like early I used to focus on the weird like if you were looking at me weird I'm like dude like you got to stop that you know what I mean like you're you're creeping me out or I'm going to come over there because you're talking smack about me and you haven't even said anything um (laughs) but see and here's the thing this so this is kind of what to what you said right like when I focus on the things I want here I am sitting with you doing an interview, interviewing for my podcast, which is a good thing, right? We're not just talking about all the the negative stuff that happened to us. Now we're starting to get into all the positive things because of those things that have happened to us mm-hmm. and how we just acknowledge it, right? And then we try to move forward every day. So thank you for, you know, sharing some of the stuff that you had uh, so far with us, right? Because I want people to understand of all walks of life, not just, you know, people in recovery is that. Mm-hmm. you can overcome those challenges that I like to call like people say a problem I got problems in my life right I like to say challenges right because then it gives me a plan of attack like I'm going to overcome that challenge but you gave us that right like if we focus what's good in our life right and we focus mm-hmm. on what we really want in our life like the like good relationships like for me it's having good conversations right being present for my family good things start to happen, right? We don't have to let that shame and that guilt of our past creep in. And because mm-hmm. as you know, it could be, I'm, you probably were there at one point where it was overwhelming and that's why we drank or used, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. you touched on like what you do, right? So like, like journaling is a great thing. I do that a lot. You know, I, I try to tell my clients to do that. Like just jot down what you're feeling real quick. It, it's like going to a meeting, right? My sponsor would say, just share. Because by the time mm-hmm. you're done, whatever was bugging you has lost its power. And I didn't believe him at first until I started trying it because I just wanted to be in a meeting and go, like, pick like, my brain, like, I'm picking everybody's share apart, like, oh, you suck. Or that was good, right? <laughs> but he yep. was right, right? Like, us talking about our tra- uh, traumas and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. By the end of it, it's lost its power and it doesn't have such a hold on us, right? So now you've been sober a while and you're Mm -hmm. successful. Like you said, you have your own TV uh, network and it's just amazing to see people overcome that stuff. What is this stuff? Oh, and everybody, I'm going to blow it for her, but yeah, she's getting married soon. So she's, she's got some stuff going on. She's, that's why (laughs) she's glowing today. Cause she's, you know, we were talking about her, you know, she finally asked for help and she got her fiance to help her with some of the stuff. Cause most of us guys, we'll be honest, right? We're like, whatever you want, honey. Like we'll either stay out of your way or tell us what you need and we're there. So, but congratulations on that. And so tell the audience, like, what are some of the things you do today besides journaling? Right. I like to tell people like mind, body, spirit. So get into some of the other things that you do that keep you focused on what you want and sober and all that stuff. Exactly. Well, here's the thing. Um, you know, it used to be AA meetings and things like that, that would really keep me focused and sober, but I kind of, I I guess I grew out of it. I don't really know how to describe it better than that. So I, I needed to replace is like going to AA and NA meetings really took the place of some of the negative activities that I was doing. So I can't just, you can't just get rid of something and then leave a void. (laughs) It's going to get filled. So I, you know, started playing around with all the different things that I really like and that, you know, keep me thriving as opposed to just trying to make it through the day. And like I mentioned, I do love to journal. Um, I love a little dance party. Whenever I'm feeling in my head, I'm feeling a little psychotic because just because I stopped drinking and using drugs doesn't <laughs> right. mean that my thinking's perfect. <laughs> right. But I can see it now. I know when it's coming. I get when I'm getting squirrely, I know when it's coming. And so <laughs> I can just notice it and see what it is and do the things that I, you know, get me to be centered and calm again. So one of them is a little dance party. I will turn up my favorite music and I will just dance until I'm laughing and having fun again. The other things I love to do, I love to go out in nature. So I'm a huge nature walker. I mean, I guess I call it hiking here in California, but really it's not. <laughs> it's like a nature walk. I'm like, come on, people, I can wear tennis shoes for this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I I love my pets. My pets bring me so much joy. So it's they remind me to be present. They remind me 
hey, you know what? You've got everything you need in this moment. And whenever, you know, I, I am able to spend time with friends now. I meet new people on purpose. You know, I do things that make me really uncomfortable because I want to grow who I am and how I show up in the world. So I'm always learning something new because I, that's just how I am. But, you know, it's opened up so many opportunities. You know, I never thought I'd have my own TV show, let alone my own TV network. I mean, I barely made it out alive. I literally, my organs were shutting down. I mean, that's how bad I was. It was, and I can sit there and say, I know I wasn't an everyday drinker, but it almost killed me. And you know, <laughs> I got hit I by know. cars a few times. I mean, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you name it. But, um, but yeah, I just really, whatever, here's the thing, this, and I'm going to say this because I think this is really important. You know, there's times when I'm really thinking about things and trying to up level my life in some way. And I just, my brain feels tired and that's a dangerous area for me. So one of the things I've learned that's not good for me is still that escapism behavior. So I have to be really careful with watching TV scrolling social media. I love playing video games. I could sit there and play for hours. You know, I literally can't, you know, I can't walk back in. Yeah, I'm not drinking and using drugs, but I'm still trying to escape my life when I do these things. So I have to right. be super careful about that. And, you know, it was interesting when I discovered, I'm like, oh yeah, that's not healthy either. <laughs> right. But I've noticed too, like, you know, because I could sit there and watch, binge watch something on Netflix and then still feel just as discontented as I did before thinking that was right. going to make me feel better. Right. But I've discovered, you know, reading a good book or talking to a good friend, or I love to draw and paint so anything creative. I love crafts. So all these things that will create something positive is what I do in order to help my soul. And I, you know, I have some really spiritual friends and, you know, I, I have a higher power that I'm connected to, and that looks different every day, how I communicate with my higher power. I don't go to church. Um, not that I'm not open to it. Uh, it's just that I haven't found one that fits me, suits, you know, right. who I am right now. So I'd be totally open to that. Uh, you know, I just kind of <laughs> say yes to I say yes to pretty much everything new. If somebody asks me to do something and I feel hesitant, I say yes. <laughs> I uh, see. And that's where my sponsor and my mentors have always said, you know, when you don't want to do something, you go do it. Like exactly. they gave me no choice, really, especially after my last relapse. Right. Like my, for instance, right after the last one, he goes, you don't get to pick and choose who you help. Right. If it shows up, you're going to help. And I'm like, man, you guys are mean, <laughs> you know, but you're right. Like, like recovery for me is so much different than it was say 19 years ago when I first started, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. evolved. Like you said. So yeah. yeah, I still go to my meeting a week, right? Cause it keeps me mm -hmm. connected to the fellowship because I forever owe that fellowship that helped me get through some of the tough times you yes. and I talked about, right? Like, mm -hmm. and some of my best friends are recovering alcoholics and addicts. Right. Mm -hmm. But I also have people outside of that, right? Like, yeah. I used to hate reading, right? I used to like, okay, <laughs> like you got to, I don't want to read, but I started connecting with, with entrepreneurs, right? That have mm -hmm. their specific routines for the day, right? And I know you've heard of Andy Frisella, right? And he's done that 75 hard, right? I've done that. And that got me into reading <laughs> those books. Like you said, like I start mm -hmm. reading uh, personal development, like, mm -hmm. Like, how can I keep continuing growing, right? Because you can only, some of my A is going to hate me for saying this, but I've read that. I I, I always learn something new, but I need yeah. to read other things besides the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is my guide for living sober. But now mm -hmm. I have other ones, right? Like you said, living, uh, growing to a place where it, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable, if that makes sense, right? Because I want to grow as yes. a human being, right? You've heard of David Goggins. That guy's the extreme, of mm -hmm. course. But that's the first time I heard it when I read his book, talking about being comfortable, being uncomfortable and pushing yourself. Mm -hmm. And 
like I said, you know, I've met some amazing people inside and outside of recovery, like yourself, right? Like when we first met, I didn't know that you're, and then you told me, I was like, yeah, another one. Cool. You Who's, never know, right? <laughs> you never know. But I mean, what I mean is that like, we went through what we went through. We didn't, you know, like what you, I can't think of the word, but we didn't forget about it. We're just no. expanding. Mm -hmm. We're like you said, we're trying to get to be better human beings and shoot i've learned mindfulness so i want to learn buddhism mm -hmm. i want to i want to learn the things that are going to help me grow as a human being so that i can leave that legacy yeah. for my kids and my grandkids and great grandkids where they said wow grandpa you know he did what he said he was going to do when he said he was going to do it and he always lived honestly and cared about other people that's the legacy you know what i mean like he really cared yeah. about people and you know, and I got to meet you and now we're becoming friends and, and now you're on my podcast and you've yeah. shared some really, really cool stuff with my audience. So now I get to ask you some of the questions I like to ask my guests, right? <laughs> Other than the usual, right? So I, I told you I wrote a book. Uh, it's the same name as my podcast. So I'm going to ask mm -hmm. you, Julianne, what does fearless mean to you? You know, I like that question because... I was thinking about fearless and I don't know that I will ever get to the point where I'm fearless, but I definitely have gotten to the point where I won't allow fear to stop me from doing what I really want to do. Um, because I, you know, not everyone, and here's the thing about addiction is, and you know, is not everybody has a privilege to grow older and old. And so I really take that honor that I'm here <laughs> seriously. And I want to, you know, live as much life as I can, especially making up for all those years that I wasn't really present for myself. So I would say that being fearless is for me, it's okay that I have a fear, but I can also change the idea of it in my mind. It doesn't have to be scary and stop me. It could, because in the body, fear and excitement react, do the same chemical reaction inside your body. Right. So if I change the story I tell myself about the fear and make it exciting, then anything and absolutely everything is possible. So why be afraid? It's like a roller coaster. I'm going to be fine. Even right. if I feel like I'm gonna myself, I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the ride's gonna end eventually, hopefully. Exactly. Right. And That's I heard awesome. this thing. Yeah, I heard this thing not that long ago, and I thought it was really funny. And it, it was that if you don't feel a little pee trickling down your leg, then you're not dreaming big enough. So <laughs> I embrace it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to embrace that one too. Hey, sorry, honey. Uh, you, that is because I'm dreaming big. So just go with it. Right. <laughs> wink, wink. I'll tell my wife, I learned that from Julianne. Right. So I'm, I'm going to taste it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Exactly. Right. It's just facing things and, and, and just looking at fear in a different light. Right. Like it's not going to kill me. I'm just going to do it anyway. Right. Cause some mm -hmm. of us have extreme ways of overcoming fear. And, and you're correct. I don't think any of us as humans are, are ever going to be fearless, right? We may fear less, but we won't be yes. fearless, right? And so thank you for sharing that with us. So my next question is um, happiness, knowing I put the why, see that? What yep. does happiness <laughs> mean for you? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? You know, happiness, that's an interesting thing for me too, because I used to think that happiness required a lot of things outside of me to be situated in a certain way for me to be happy. You know, I have to have an X amount of money in the bank. I have to have a relationship. I have, you know, all the external stuff. But now I've gotten to a place where happiness for me is being okay, no matter what's going on in my life and just being present for it, whether I like it or not. That to me is real happiness because I am experiencing life on life's terms and just being there for it instead of trying to change everything in order for me to feel okay. So for me, it's just really that surrender and acceptance to what's going on in my life. Right. No matter what, that to me is real, like genuine happiness. I love it, right? Because I think it brings up that point where like people that are trying 
so hard to make life it. it you know what I mean? Or happen yeah. their way. Like if it's not their way, you know, that of course we see the people walking or in the cars that are like, you look at them, it's like, wow, who peed in your Wheaties today? Because you do not look happy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. But like you said, that acceptance and just going, okay, I'm here for a reason, right? And here's a saying mm -hmm. I learned from the people I hang out with, right? Life happen doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. So if we yes. can switch that thinking instead of, oh, well, this happened to me, you know, now I'm all pissed off, right? But, oh, wait, life's happening for me. And I got a lot of good things going on, right? And gratitude mm -hmm. being a part of that. I think it just changes your, and my, one of my sayings that I started when I was doing that 75 hard. So one mm -hmm. day I was doing a live on Facebook, right? And I'm like, uh, and this was before I had my back surgery, right? So I tell you, I used to walk and then sometimes I'd go numb from the waist down, yeah. right? And I, one time I tripped <laughs> and, you know, I was right in the middle of the live and I popped back up and I go, look, everybody, <laughs> I go, I get to do this, right? And then my nickname became the get to guy, right? Oh, there's Max. He's the get to guy, right? But it's true. I'm not the you. only one that that talks about that, right? I just saw a little clip with uh steve harvey he says if you can change i got to and to i get to it will mm -hmm. change the way you look at life and how life happens to you and right because like this definitely is an honor for me i get to interview julianne you know what i mean mm -hmm. i get to be here with you at, at this moment in time and we get to have this conversation right there's too much to be yeah. grateful for to where i you know like Oh, poor me. Like, could you imagine if I went to my friend? Well, you know, I interviewed this great lady. Her name is Julianne. Oh, my God. They would just look at me and go, Max, just go away. <laughs> right. But like you said, that's that's yeah. right. Happiness is what we make of our every, every moment in our life. Right. We could even look at it as like, I got to do this or I get to. That's my thought. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for sharing that for me. Uh, with us and my audience, with me and my audience. And, you know, it, it's crazy how I believe like now I'm crossing paths, like with yourself, some of the most amazing people I've ever got to meet, right? And get to talk to them and have these conversations. So what I'm going to get into next is like, if someone wants to work with you, Julianne, or where can they catch your network or your, your TV channel? How would they, yeah. how would they find you? Uh, probably the easiest way to find me is ownyourwellness.net. And that has, it's kind of like a link tree situation. I mean, it's just my website, but uh, it links to everything, social okay. media, my TV show, if you want to work with me, if you want to, yeah, all the things. Nice. <laughs> it's one-stop shopping. And yeah. And then my TV network is through the distributor E360 TV. So that's on Amazon Fire, Roku, okay. Apple TV, all the streaming platforms that you can think of that are, well, either free or, well, Roku. I guess there's a slight payment, but to watch all the shows on my network, um, you don't have to pay anything extra to go oh, see okay. Achieve TV. So, yeah, there's not, you know, a subscription situation there. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, this has been such an amazing interview. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule and, and, and being here with me. But before we go, of course, I get to ask you one last question. Okay. And that is, by going through what you've been through and all that's and all the things you have learned now in your life, what is one piece of advice that you could give my audience that would help them grow as a human being and become a better human being? Ooh, there's so many little things that I can think of, but I would say that the most important thing that took me a long time to figure out was two things it's twofold one is not everybody has the right to hear your story so you don't have to share it with everybody right. don't be ashamed of it right, right, right. <laughs> you know but not everybody is going to support you and right. that's that's where you need to find what works for you but the other thing is is to really you stand on the shoulders of giants because, you know, there's plenty of people out there who have figured out how to do life and have, have what you want. 
And if you don't need to reinvent the wheel or figure out your own way to do it, all you have to do is study and figure out, do what they do. You know, that's kind of what's so amazing about AA and NA is that somebody else has already shown you it's possible. So (laughs) if you do this, you get this. All right, I'm in. (laughs) Right. That's why I love that saying, if you want what we have, do what we do. It's that easy, you know? Exactly, exactly. But (laughs) it's really that simple. You know, I've just learned that if I want to be a millionaire, then I probably shouldn't be hanging out with people who are on food stamps. I need to be with people who are thinking about or being in that mindset because they can teach me how to have that mindset. So that would be, yeah, it's all in the brain. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's so true. That's why I joined the network that I belong to, right? It's because there was people in that mm-hmm. network that are light years ahead of me. But if I'm going to learn how to do what they do, I got to be around people like that. And like yourself, exactly. right? Like that are you know, you got your own TV network, you got your own show. And it's just like, right. I can't say, Hey, Julianne, how do I do that? But I'm over here, like at the liquor store, hanging out on the corner, you know, going, asking people, Hey, you got a quarter so I can go get it, you know, food or whatever. (laughs) Right. It's, you got to learn how to think big and that's perfect. Thank you so much. Well, everybody. And Julianne, thank you for such an amazing show here today. So anybody, if you got, you know, if, if you learned anything from Julianne, if she made you think, if she made you smile, as I like to say, if she made you go, hmm, right, please leave a five-star review uh, over on iTunes so that more people can find the podcast. And then until next time, or wherever you are again tonight, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, I'll see you next time. Have a great one, everybody. I'll talk to you later. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around and now Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaced.com on Facebook at max.naced. Till next time, keep the fight and we'll see you soon.